How's it going? Going well. Awesome, man. How's your day been? Uh, my workout was pretty solid, man. I um, just did a little home workout here. I had like, I got like dumbbells that are adjustable here and I got a little bench and uh, pull up bar. Pretty simple stuff, man. Not Nothing too complicated. Just kind of like a full body home workout. Good. Yeah, man. How's your day been? Yeah, pretty solid. Just some work around the house. Uh, we're still renovating a place, so picking away at that. Renovating um, the place you live in right now, or yeah, yeah, nice. this is fine with my girls, and got a workout in as well, and got into the bay for a little a quick dip, so feeling fresh and ready to chat with you. That's wicked, man. That's wicked. Yeah, I kind of wanted to just kind of like uh, I guess start the chat off with with uh, having you kind of introduce yourself for people that haven't like heard of you or or don't really know what you're all about. I, I listened to a few of your episodes in the last couple of days and. I, I like the kind of stuff that you talk about, man. I really like that stuff. I, I listened. The one I liked a lot was uh, Mark Arnold. Yeah, he, he was really wicked, really wicked. But yeah, if you want to just kind of give everybody like a little introduction to, like, kind of your podcast and what you're all about, and we can kind of start there. If that works for sure. you. Yeah, sure, man. Um, yeah, so I grew up in a smaller town. Um, mom and dad, and uh, and a younger sister. Um, pretty standard. We had a really loving household, uh, no problems there. Um, you know, really shaped me into to who I am today. As far as school went, that wasn't too great. There was a lot of like bullying and, you know, hard times, you know, school wasn't the greatest experience, but, um, you know, and that, that left me with a lot of stuff to deal with, uh, into my adult years. Um, and that kind of ties into my whole like mental health journey. And I know you've talked about, uh, your own as well which I think it's really important to do. Um, yeah, I, as far as career goes, uh, I initially, my dad was on uh, the fire department I'm on. He was on there for 21, 22 years. I initially didn't want to do what he did, just you know, being a rebellious teenager and wanting to do my own thing and cut my own path. And uh, long story short, I kind of just realized it was, it was what I wanted to do. It was in my blood. And um, and I'm really glad that I was, I've been able to enter into the emergency services. Uh, I took my EMT basic in the States while I was applying and trying to, to get on. And then I uh, came back a few years later. Uh, my current department offered me a job. Uh, I had been accepted to do my paramedic diploma here in Canada to certify uh, up here. Um, but the job offer came first, so I grabbed that. And then I actually promised myself that I would go back to school full time for the two years to take, to take that course after I settled into my, my job, which I did, uh, which I'm really glad I did. Uh, it helped me get, have a really different perspective or better perspective, I guess, on, you know, the medical calls and, uh, you know, even car accidents, right? Like seeing them from the, the medic side and seeing them from the firefighter side. So give me a broader, um, perspective yeah, on patients and patient treatment and, and the roles of emergency services and how we all work together. Uh, no experience in the police end of things, uh, or as a volunteer firefighter, but my experience has been full-time firefighting and then worked as a part-time medic for six years during that, uh, um, during working full-time as a firefighter as well. So I left that before my first daughter was born. It was just going to be too much. It was nice when I was younger and could take on the, all the extra hours and I'm glad I had the experience, but it was, it was smart a to leave to, you know, to be able to spend more time with 
uh, with, you know, my first daughter and, and also my second. And then now realizing too that, you know, just, just wearing more and more calls over the years isn't necessarily the, um, necessarily ideal, maybe not necessarily ideal for me. Like I'm sure there are a lot of people that can, you know, double hat like that and, and manage just fine. But for me, looking back on it, it was, it was nice to have the experience, but I'm glad I didn't stick it out and do, do both jobs for longer. Um, yeah, like I, I mentioned that my mental health journey, I, I did, I sent you that, that clip of that video from the mental health commission of Canada that I did. Um, you know, I've, I've had my, my dark moments, uh, and had to climb my way back out, been a part of the, I was a part of the peer support team on my department for a number of years and, and co-led that, uh, a lot of mental health, uh, education and talks and, um, to various groups of people. That's been a great experience. Um, got into instructing in my department as well. So teaching, uh, you know, the EMR side of things and, and a lot of firefighting fundamentals still involved in that. Um, not so much in my, in my own department, but I've gone and now I'm teaching at an academy, uh, part-time Southwest fire Academy, who's the sponsor of, um, the podcast and actually jumped in and became a training officer, uh, for three and a half years on the department. And that's when I really started to fall in love with instructing. And that's actually where the podcast sort of came from. It all sort of, <laughs> I guess, fell into my lap. Um, you know, through teaching, I've, I've had a number of people say, hey, you should, you know, write a book or, you know, hey, you should do a podcast. I would listen to it. It'd be great. And, you know, I, I took the compliments and appreciated it and I understood. But, you know, I, so I guess I sort of had it in the back of my mind. But you never really think that you're actually going to, you know, that you could go ahead and do something like that. And then moving north uh, from where we were in town where I worked, you know, I had about an, now I've got about an hour, hour 15 minute commute. So I wanted to fill that time with, you know, uh, something other than just music all the time, you know, start to start learning some things. So found a, a bunch of podcasts that I really loved, uh, loved their approach and the style and um, how articulate they were. And then you know, looked into a few uh, fire-related ones, if there were any out there, and there weren't that many at the time. Reached out to a couple of the guys, uh, which is great in the world we live in. You can just cold call people and say, hey, just like we did, right? Like, hey, you want, <laughs> you want to chat and get to know each other? So, uh, yeah, they gave me uh, some really good insight, um, you know, and a couple of them were along the lines of what I wanted to do, but then I started to think, well, hey, I think there's, there's a niche, you know, there's something here that I can add to the table, Right. Um, it's not like, you know, well, there, someone's already doing it. So, you know, what am I going to bring to the table? Like, I have nothing to add. It's like, well, I can try. Right. And, and then a friend, uh, high school friends, actually, they live up here as well. And, uh, and, uh, one of the brothers has a, uh, has a studio in his basement. He's always been big into music, uh, and recording. So, you know, I had the space available, right? So <laughs> there was really no excuses to, to not try it out. Um, start with friends and people that I knew. And yeah, so since 2018 in February, I've been helping produce that. And now, uh, you know, with Southwest Fire Academy as a sponsor and I've got Brad Shea, he's doing all the editing for me now, which is phenomenal. He's great. Um, it opens up a lot of other avenues for me to explore with this. Um, and then Matt's in premium mix marketing, uh, does all the, uh, you know, all the marketing side of things too. So great you know, great couple guys to work with, uh, really happy to be working with the Academy and yeah. And I think I'm in a pretty good place in my life right now. Just, you know, feeling healthy and feeling 
pretty fit for my age and I've always tried to keep working out and, and nutrition and that as, as real anchor points even through the difficult times. So I'm glad that was always there and yeah, happy to speak to you today. Beautiful, man. I love that. What, um, what kind of workouts do you do? Like, what did you do today? Um, yeah, today I just did like a, like a hit again, body, body weight workouts. Um, yeah, made a lot of mistakes in my life. One of the, the smart things I did was as a teenager, when I entered into high school, and I think this was part of like figuring out, you know, how to increase your self-esteem and, and, you know, your self-worth and self-love and whether I knew I was doing that for that reason or not, you know, getting into the gym, like, and, you know, back in the days, just like banging metal weights and listening to Guns N' Roses and, and just sort of, you know, banging it around in there and trying to figure it all out. Uh, but I had this thought in my mind, I think at, at that age, like, well, if I start now and I kind of build a foundation, like when I'm older, it'd be a lot easier to maintain that. So, you know, that was kudos to that, you know, that Scott back then that, that did me a solid and, and <laughs> did that thing right. And then with firefighting, obviously getting into that and, and wanting to be fit in that way. And, you know, I've, started, I've kind of gone through all the progressions of like pushing heavy weights and, you know, wearing a weight belt and the wrapping your knees and, and all that, um, all the iterations and, and kind of all the diets and, uh, not diets like being on a diet, but, you know, different ways of, of, of tackling nutrition and, and then I got into the firefighter combat challenge and fire fit right out of my, right out of the gate and recruit class and did a number of years with that. So there was some really heavy structured, uh, training and, and, uh, programs and writing everything down. Um, and then eventually like I've, I had a few kind of yellow lights with, you know, certain parts of my body that were like, cause that, that sport isn't too body friendly. And I was finding that maybe the, the Olympic lifting style and the heavy, heavy weights are starting to, to play a toll. And, um, again, I think I, I've, you know, done right by my body with like listening and uh, adapting how I eat and how I train for how my body feels or how I age, right? Like how, how I work out in my twenties, how I work in my thirties, you know, I'm going to be 47 next month. Uh, so it's different. So Man, for the past, I don't know, 10, 12 years, I haven't been in a gym and I really haven't touched weights. Uh, you know, I did, started doing a lot more functional stuff and like TRX suspension workouts, just body weight work, wanting to like, how can I use my body, like do a full pull up if I can only do three full pull ups, fully extended, full all the way up. How many can I do and just keep building on that? Um, and now I'm at a point where I'm doing like yoga every other day. Uh, and a lot more mobility. I'm kind of getting into the, uh, it's not supple leopard, but kind of like the, the animal movements and, and that, um, you know, really being full, like having full range of motion. Um, and I think that's helped me like obviously prevent injury. Um, and then firefighting itself isn't very body friendly. You're not doing these things in these linear movement patterns. So you need to be able to, you know, be at an awkward position and move a heavy, heavy weight. Um, so I think, it's, it's kind of done, done well by me so far. Um, so I'm going to sort of keep at that, but I've got no desire or need, I think to get back to like, you know, putting weight on my back and squatting and deadlifting. Um, and then I'll, I'll drill at work. Right. So I'll, I'll use the equipment we have like the ladders and, and the hose and flowing water and, and forcing doors and stuff like that, like as, as work too. So get in, get in your gear and do work. So between body weight workouts, you know, yoga every other day, you know, mobility and now functionally working out at work, uh, with, with equipment. I think that's my, that's my jam. Um, I never really got into CrossFit. I, 
I get it. Like I, I think the, some of the movements are cool, but for me, I just always had this in the back of my mind that personally, just for me, I think the volume of work every single day would have been, would be too much. Um, and kudos to the people that can do it. And I, I've also seen a number of people just like fraught with injury, um, being involved in it. So I think it's a great thing. Uh, but just me personally, uh, for my body, again, listening to what it, what it needs. So I'll push, I'll push harder on, I push hard on every day, like, but it's, it's hard to the level that my body's able to do for that day. Right. And then I'm, and then I'm also big on recovery. So if I get beat up at work or I haven't slept very well and I'm totally fine with resting and just letting my body recover and letting that sort of yellow light come on and let me ease off a little bit and then getting back at it. So I think I've got a pretty good approach to it. Um, right now it's working so far. Yeah, I love that. I had actually a, a very similar kind of progression. I got into like working out because uh, I started playing rugby in high school. And uh, I, I remember like they, the coach was like, basically like, if you can get bigger, you can have a starting position. Mm -hmm. And so I was like all about, you know, trying to get my deadlift up, trying to get my squat up, trying to get as big as possible. And then I uh, ended up through rugby having like a few injuries and then I was like, okay, well, I don't want to, you know, be super strong or be able to perform. Like, I just want to be in like the bodybuilding kind of world and, and just go after the aesthetics. And then, uh, after chasing that for a couple more years and, and, uh, doing a competition, I was like, okay, there's, um, you know, not too much behind this that's fulfilling for me. And so, um, I kind of had a similar progression now in my workouts uh consists basically i just started jujitsu last year nice. and uh so like basically just moving other people's bodies around right. and then uh, on days that i i don't go for training if like my some of my joints are sore i'll do like i said like a little home workout like i did today but mm -hmm. yeah friday nights are my big yoga nights and i try and do like a little bit of stretching every 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 night but um a similar progression because i my day job i work in construction i'm a carpenter so uh, like you, I kind of feel like, you know, if my body is going to be how I make my money, I definitely need it to be like able to perform every single day. Like I can't just be beating the hell out of it. I, I need to be able to move comfortably every single day and, you know, lift beams over my head or whatever it has, whatever the day like kind of demands. But, uh, I, I like that it's, it seems to be like kind of a, a progression. I feel like for a lot of men is like, you start off wanting to be like super strong, super jacked, look good in the mirror, look good on the beach. And then it's more like, okay, I got, I also want to feel good. I also want to like, just be able to get out of bed and be like, Oh, okay. I feel prepared for my day. You know, like my shoulders aren't bugging me. My back's not bugging me. Like even my deadlifts now, the heaviest I'll go is like 90 pound dumbbells. Right. So it's, it's, it's like uh, more volume training and more like uh, mobility and kind of strengthening up the areas where I'm not as strong, you know, like mm -hmm. in those vulnerable positions that I used to be scared of going into. Yeah. I mean, I, I find I can still go hard. Like I'm, you know, 27, but some, then sometimes I realize the next day I kind of recover, like I'm 47. So, uh, there's that too, but the, the balancing of the recovery, but I've been really happy that I've been able to be as active, uh, with my girls even, right. Like be on the trampoline and, you know, be able to the backflip on there or, or jump around and, and just be involved, right? And, you know, the, the girls are big into cheer. So being able to, you know, I'm working on, you know, told the girls I'm going to do handstands or handstand walks on the beach by the end of the, and we're going to come to the, you know, as often as we can here and you're going to teach me and I'm going to be able to do it. So 
it's just cool to have those kind of like functional goals, right? And being able to, to maintain, um, yeah, it's about, about maintaining and, uh, and not, not feeling your age too. I think that's really key. If you don't feel your age, that's a good thing. Yeah. I love that. I love that you say that, man. I like that. You, you mentioned like, uh, your dad was a firefighter and, and, uh, it's kind of like in your blood in mm. your words, right? I, I actually have a similar experience because uh, our, the company I work for is a family company. So it's like my cousin, my uncles, Amazing. my dad. And uh, I had a similar experience. Like when I finished high school, I, I did work for him. Like for you know, it was like a summer gig kind of thing. But in my head, I was like, I don't want to do this. I want to carve my own path. I want to do my own thing and I end up having a couple other jobs. Did you have any like other jobs, like just like small gigs or anything that you did that were kind of, that kind of like led you back into that path or like how I mean, did I, that transition? Working, like, I was just talking to a, to a friend and fellow instructor before we chatted about, uh, but you know, growing up in our lives and, you know, I started working, when I was 13, right. Uh, at the local bowling alley and making four twenty-five an hour and, you know, it was multitasking and, uh, doing all sorts of jobs, uh, you know, up late at night. Uh, yeah, I just had this like work ethic and in, instilled right away and, you know, did, did some, uh, you know, retail work at a hardware store. And then I, you know, I worked the factories I've, I've done, I've done work. I've been outside and, you know, you know, put pools in for summers. Um, so, you know, wheeling concrete and dirt and being on the, on the, on a shovel, like I'm no stranger to that. So that's, that's always been there. Um, really with the, with the firefighting thing was, uh, you know, my buddy and I got, a got into the ski patrol, um, at the local ski resort, basically cause we wanted to ski for free cause we were young and didn't have a lot of money and just wanted to ski for free. And then realized that, you know, we really enjoyed it. Like it was really great. And, um, you know, there was a number of people that were, you know, severely injured and, and was able to like be in the moment and help them and apply what I learned and learn from the experience and um it was exciting and fulfilling and uh, you know kind of thinking well you know what can i do for the rest of my life that's you know active and outside and not in an office and and helping people and then i'm like <laughs> you know the light bulb goes off well of course so um yeah I, I just really feel like this this job allows me to uh to sort of get paid for you know who I am, you know, like I, I've said a number of times, if, you know, I, I wasn't doing this job, like I'm going to retire at some point, but you know, if I, if they fired me tomorrow and I wasn't working as a firefighter anymore, the title doesn't really matter. Like I'm, if I'm driving down the road and there's an accident, you know, and it looks, it looks severe, like I'm going to stop, like, I'm just going to behave in the way I'm going to behave. So, um, yeah, the fire service just sort of allowed that to manifest and grow and, um, and taught me a lot. Like it's, it's given me more than it's ever taken away. I've said that a number of times, um, and I'm incredibly grateful for it, but, uh, yeah, not many people get to go to work all the time and, and just passionately love what they do. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to space or, or doing like, uh, uh, you know, surgery on people, but, um, it, man, it's a pretty good job. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. It, this might seem like a weird or a random question, but like when you first started, like when you're doing ski patrol and you're seeing like kind of these uh, different injuries on people and you're kind of like, were you ever like, cause I've always wondered about people like that where it's like, don't you get squeamish? Cause like I, sometimes I get so squeamish. Was that something that you had to desensitize to, or were you just born like, all right, like he, he needs help or she needs help and I need to help them. 
Like, were you instantly desensitized to it? Were you ever like nauseous or like squeamish around that kind of stuff? Yeah, I don't think in the, yeah, I guess this ties into the mental health aspect of things too. And people like to say, well, that doesn't bother me or, um, you know, and what I like to explain to people is that even if you're not um, consciously aware that you're taking in a stimuli, you're like, this is our bodies are, that's what our bodies do. Like they take in everything in the environment and, and adapt and adjust or, you know, place it in a memory or like, we're always on the alert to, to find out, like, do I need to worry about this in the future? Right. That's what we're designed to do. That's why, you know, we've survived. So, um, yeah, like even if you go to a, a car accident and, you know, there's, there's a smell or a sound or, or something like that, like that's, that can stay with you. And I think if you, I recommend to a lot of people to, you know, get a, get a counselor as soon as possible. You have all these other experts in your life. You have a doctor when you're not sick, you've got a dentist and you go in for, for cleanings every three to six months or whatever it is. And like you've got a mechanic, perhaps if you don't work on your own car, you go to all these experts for everything. But when it comes to your own, you know, your mind, like the, your brain, the most complicated, you know, basically structure in the universe you think you've got this on your own, like you're just going to do it like <laughs> with no, with no rule book or no help. You just got it all figured out because it's yours. Um, you know, you have a phone, you have no idea how it works, right? It just works. Um, but not knowing, understanding your brain and how it behaves and, and that's really, uh, really detrimental. So I always let people know like when you're healthy and good, like that's the best time to get a counselor because then you can find one and you can pick one and, build a relationship and then you've got this person to go to when the crisis happens because if the crisis happens and you don't have anybody you're kind of just stuck with whoever you get and then it might not be a good fit and you think this whole therapy stuff's bullshit and you know you're up in arms about it and it makes it worse so I think it's a it's a downward spiral so I know this is a lot sort of a roundabout answer to your question but um yeah I think I've I think I've done pretty well with being able to balance uh, processing the things that I see. Um, and I think that that speaks to like the one thing that's resonated with me recently, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to do a talk about it um, come July with a group of people that there's this great meme I saw recently of, uh, I think it's Gerard Butler that was in Spartan or sorry, 300, the Spartan yeah, yeah. Uh, where everything's like this, right? <laughs> everything's in slow motion and hence. Uh, and then the other half of the picture, so there's a, a picture with, of him like screaming and then the other half of the picture is the Buddha under the tree with that, you know, the enlightened glow around him and it says you can be both. And, and this is what I, what I try to talk to people about when I have the opportunity is that I think the, the people that say they try to desensitize or they get jaded or they become salty or that that doesn't bother me and I don't have emotions and, you know, stoicism has its place, but. I think, I think the ideal is to have a foot in both worlds. So you have a foot firmly in the warrior, like the, the true warrior would, would be both. You, you have a firm foot in, in this, this, you know, grit and perseverance and adapting and overcoming and um, bearing, you know, the weight of things. And then your other foot should be firmly in the human side of understanding yourself and like, compassion and empathy and connection and so for me it's it's I've always been drawn to the the emotion like it may not be a deep emotional connection but at some point in the majority of the people that I interact with the vast majority there's some kind of human connection there 
And I think because I haven't pushed that off, even though I've kind of been in an environment overall that has, you know, that's been the norm to push that away to see you can like suck it up and do the job. I think the fact that I am allowing myself always to have that kind of less soft connected side of me, um, that then come post call, uh, you know, I have a much easier time processing what I've been through. Um, even when the, especially, I guess, especially when the outcome isn't good. So we show up, we do everything that we possibly can, you know, in an imperfect way, but as best as we possibly can, we do everything to help this person and they, and it doesn't, and they pass away or multiple people pass away. I still think there's some, there's, there is a way of being in this moment with these people that are, are, are deceased where you can be in that emotional energetic space and be something for them in that moment. So then, you know, or the kind of person that that person's family or their, their loved ones would want to be with their love, be with their loved ones when they pass, you can be that kind of person. And so I think you can look back at these, you know, very, very difficult, tragic calls and know that there actually was something to do in those calls. Right. And I, and I was the kind of person energetically with that, those people that their family would want to be with their loved ones. So again, that, because I allow for that connection and I'm aware of that, that again, allows me to process that call as I'm like, I did something good there, right? I did help there. And then I can move beyond and I can, I can, I can mourn the tragedy and, you know, bear the sadness of what happened to those people. Um, and you know, the graphicness is, is difficult sometimes, but, but you, because you can look back on it and then, and then you can look back and pull those good, those good things from that call that you were, and that becomes the story that you carry forward with yourself, as opposed to all the gore and the, and the feeling helpless and not being able to help. That's a long answer. No, no, I, I love it. I love it because, uh. Yeah, I mean, I don't have too many friends that are in, uh, you know, kind of like the first responder world. I've only ever like kind of connected to people through, you know, social media. Mm -hmm. And I've definitely heard like kind of horror stories in, in terms of like kind of dealing with that trauma afterwards, because it's it's typically like, uh, like more like the flashbacks that come back to haunt you afterwards. Like, I know for myself, I'm I'm definitely someone who's a lot more squeamish. Like anytime I see like weird injuries, like even when I go to jujitsu, I see like someone dislocate something or something. I'm like, oh, I don't want to look at that. Like I could only imagine like um yeah, that that kind of stuff must haunt certain people. But I feel like yeah, I, think, I think you're right about I think you're right about how you know, I don't think I would be cut out to do surgery. I think I mentioned not being a surgeon. Like there's there's careers that I'm not cut out for. I'm just not like I wouldn't I I could probably do some there's something I probably couldn't even approach doing at all you know for intellectual limitations or or whatever like there's there's a reason I'm a firefighter and not and not an astronaut but um yeah there's certain things I guess that you're cut out for and certain things you're not and I guess yeah it hasn't the actual graphicness of it I mean obviously I'm not immune to everything I could go into scenes and they could be absolutely overwhelming and and I have had things that have been difficult to process but overall I would say to answer your question is that um, I think I've been I've been able to manage it okay I've been good with it not good with it but you know that's you know what I mean by good with it yeah yeah I know I know because um 
Yeah. Those are the things that kind of manifest in ways that people wouldn't actually anticipate because I feel like a lot of the time they're like, Oh, you might just like have bad dreams about it or nightmares. And it's mm -hmm. like, well, there's other ways that trauma can impact us as well. Like, you know, being short with your family members or mm -hmm. being, being kind of uh, just impatient with random people or mm -hmm. kind of impulsive. Or, I mean, when it goes into like coping mechanisms as well, I know for myself, like dealing with my own kind of mental issues, um, that, that was something that I've had to like rediscover recently again, where it's like, okay, I thought I was all good, but you know, there's definitely some negative coping mechanisms that I've had to change. Like just this week, I even had to admit to myself, like, you know, you're probably addicted to pot. You should probably stop smoking for quite a while. Like, it's like, okay, you can't do this every single day, all day. Right. Yeah. yeah. The self-awareness piece is everything. That's really everything. If you're going to be and it's not always nice to be self-aware, right? Like you'd like to rather just be, that's that whole ignorance is bliss. You know, it's, uh, I've mentioned to a few friends that, you know, like a self-growth, a personal growth or self-growth break once in a while would be nice. Like, <laughs> Can the universe stop giving me like self, you know, growth opportunities and just cut me a, a, some slack for a couple of weeks and just coast? Like, that'd be great. This just keeps piling on. But um, yeah, the, the self-awareness piece is huge that again, we're not always gonna be perfect. And but to notice when things are getting to a, mm, this might be something I need to think more about or maybe make a shift. Uh, as long as that's the habit. And that's really what meditation is too, right? Like I'm not a constant everyday meditator, like sitting and, um, you know, in quiet, like I, there's a lot of different types of meditation, but in getting into flow, but um, that's the key to meditation. It's not the fact of clearing your mind. It's the fact that you keep coming back to, you realize that you're not clear, your mind isn't cleared you're not, you know, settled and then coming back and then coming back and coming back. So it's a recognition that you're always going to sort of veer off the path, but then you also know the way back. So I think as long as the path, the, the habit is being self-aware, waking up to whatever's been going on sooner than later, and then shifting yourself back in a positive direction. I think that's the, that's the main goal. So, um, yeah, I don't think we're ever done. Um, I think you're always sort of going to have something that you can work on. Um, you don't need to necessarily change it all at once, but yeah, great that you've got that self-awareness piece, man. That's huge. Uh, well, I wouldn't say that I've got it figured out. It's like, it, it kind of was, uh, I mean, like it was like a, a few series of events kind of leading mm -hmm. up is like, okay, that's a punch to the face. Okay. That's a punch to the gut. Now it's getting lower <laughs> and lower and lower until it's unbearable. Right. And yeah. I, it was, um, yeah, for me, I mean, I had, I literally had like a little breakdown. I was driving home from like a little road trip with my girlfriend and I like had to pull over at one point and I'm like literally tears streaming down my face. And I'm like, something's got to change in my life. Like, I, I feel like there's something that's kind of holding me back from like kind of improving myself or kind of feeling better. Like there's all these things that I'm doing, you know, like I'm talking about mental health. I'm working out all the time. I'm working all the time. I'm trying to get like, I get rid of video games. I get rid of all these vices. Something's holding me back. And mm -hmm. I know for myself, like I always justified like, you know, smoking weed every single day. Cause I was like, Oh, but I'm working all day and I'm working out every single day. And I've got a girlfriend, and, you know, like all these different things seem to be aligning. And it was like, well, what's the one thing that you're reluctant to give up? You know, like that was the one thing I had to really look at myself and be like, all right, it's time to, you know, kind of uh pay the piper you know it's uh you've been playing this game for a little bit too long i think aligning is a, a great uh term you use there so uh for me um yeah 
I've said often that you don't know you can feel different until you feel different, right? And if you've felt a certain way for a long time, sometimes your whole life and you've never felt different, that's your normal and you don't know that you could have a different experience. So the only thing you can do is to, it's just like working out. You can't just go and work out and go and for the first time, come back and look in the mirror and go, Oh, I'm good now. I'm done. Like, look at the, look at the results. Like it's literally like a leap of faith, right? You literally, and then it's a lot of self-experimenting. Like you got to try a, B and C and maybe drop C and like, as far as healthy coping mechanisms go. Right. Um, and then recognize, like you're saying, like I was, you know, working out, eating right. And, you know, doing, uh, doing, being mindful, trying to meditate, you know, finding purpose in my life, like all these things, like, why, why am I still struggling? Why is this anxiety still here? Um, and then I realized that, you know, that's all just that all, all this stuff is symptom relief. It's just the things that are helping me manage, but the root cause of the anxiety or the depression or whatever it is, is still there. So I can just keep at this, but as soon as there's a crack in some of those coping mechanisms, then it's just going to, it's going to well up again. Um, so, I mean, just recently I, I was able to like I, that episode you're talking about with Mark Arnold, we talk about ketamine assisted psychotherapy. So that was a real uh, game changer for me, you know, meeting him and realizing that exists and then, and then venturing down that path. But before that, like, you know, I was, you know, I was on medication for, you know, almost two decades. And so I'm not anti-medication. Like I realized that like when I, when I first took, started to introduce the meds, which actually my counselor wasn't too fond of, but I'm like, I just, I had this feeling I need something else. Something's not right. Like I got to add, I got to try it. Right. And as soon as I took it, like all these other things that I was doing that you're talking about, like the healthy lifestyle stuff kind of clicked. Right. And then things, it was easier to manage. And then I felt, I felt a zero anxiety for, I think the first time in my life. So getting back to that whole, you don't know, you can feel different. So you feel different. Like I felt a zero and I'm like, Holy shit, this is a zero. Like I thought what I was feeling was a zero, but it was like a four, right? I was living at a four and then when everything else, else happened, I would go from a four up. Like, so now I'm hitting nine, 10 all the time. So when I hit a zero for the first time, I'm like, oh my God. And then once you felt it, it's like now you, your, your mind is expanded and you can't go back. It's like, now I know when I'm not a, a four, like I'm not a zero, I'm at a four or a two or a three, just like at a chiropractor, if you get adjusted Right. All of a sudden you feel straight for the first time. and You're like, holy shit, this is what straight feels like. And then, you know, when you're out, so you go back in and you get adjusted again. Right. Like, and you start to know your body. As soon as there's something slightly off, you can address it. Right. So feeling that zero and then it just made, you know, the counseling and all these other things I was doing, they clicked and they actually made a difference. Um, but getting to the, the ketamine, right. Like I still knew at some point that, uh, the root cause still wasn't being addressed, whatever it is. And not until I met Mark and then, you know, went down the path of the ketamine assisted psychotherapy, which, which is, which is something you go into when you've done everything else to try and fix what you're fixing. And it hasn't fixed it. Like you're managing, you're coping, you're okay, but it's not, hasn't fixed it. Um, and then for the first time, like the psychiatrist, you know, they do a screening and she's like, yeah, like you have generalized anxiety, but you also have treatment resistant depression. And I was like, that makes so much sense, right? So like no one had used the words of me before. And the fact that it's treatment resistant means that that's why I'm doing all these other things and it's not fixing the problem because it's just symptom relief. Like it's not getting the root. So the, the idea with the ketamine is that like it actually rewires your brain. 
right? It rewires the connection so that you can start using different pathways because most of the things we do in life are super highways, right? Like before I even have a realization that I've thought something or I, I'm down the road already, like I'm way too far down the road and I should have taken the logging road that was, you know, a hundred miles back, but I'm already, you know, I'm already way down the road and can't go back. I can't make the decision. So the ketamine like allows you to like start having the option of like using the logging road and then you keep using it and using it and using it and the super highway starts to, to you know, build grass on it and, um, you know, get all broken apart and that logging road starts to become your new super highway. So that was a real game changer. And then I was actually able to wean off the med I was taking, which I had tried six months into first being on it. And I'm like, nope. Uh, and then tried a year later and I was like, nope, <laughs> got to be on this. And I was good with being on it for the rest of my life if I had to, because I thought, you know, for the longest time I thought, I don't know when I'm on it, but I know when I'm off it. Um, but I did start to realize at this point in my life, it actually was stunting some parts of me. So it was safe enough and I had control enough through these other treatments that I thought, okay, it's time to try again. And then gradually weaned off and it was actually able to microdose with psilocybin a little bit as like a buffer. Um, and then that now has allowed me to be like free of it for now. And I've, I've, I've even said, I'm not anti-medication. Like if I at some point have to go back on it, a thousand percent because I know that it, that it helped me, but I just felt at this point, a couple decades in with everything else I've done up to this point, that was the next step in the journey. And now I feel more sharper and more like myself, I think than I ever have. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I kind of align with that as well. Like I've definitely, I've been on copious amounts of different medications, both prescribed and self-medicated. And, uh, I, I, appreciate what you're saying because that's kind of how I was on the phone with a friend of mine yesterday and we were kind of talking about this like a uh, shift because I'm like kind of known in my group my group of friends like oh I'm the stoner you mm -hmm. know and so we were having this discussion and I was telling him you know I feel like and he, he's like talking to me he's like man but you're so productive like are you sure like blah 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 you know you work etc all the stuff I mentioned before and I was like, but man, that is my coping mechanism, you know, like mm. numb, numb with weed and then overdose on caffeine. So I can just like, it, I don't like this feeling. So I'm just going to kill this feeling and then take anything I need to kind of get me back to work. Right. So if right. I can just not feel this pain and then work my ass off, maybe I'll be yeah. better in the future. That was yeah. what I kept telling myself. Yeah. As opposed to, um, you know, just like alcohol, you know, with some people, you know, they can't go, you know, they can't go near or the as soon as they try alcohol, you know, that's it's it's over for them, right? With with that. They just can't touch it. And can drugs can be the same way. But I mean there are there are some people that can manage it as like part of their life here and there and it but it's not necessarily an everyday thing. Right. Um so yeah, I think, you know, marijuana, uh C B D, like there's mushrooms, like there's and they're, they're proving it all now, right? Like with LSD and MDMA and DMT, like ayahuasca, like there is huge benefits. And there was, a, you know, there's a whole history of why it was pushed down and the war on drugs happened. And, um, but man, like in, especially with say, going to field trip with the ketamine, like special K, right? That's a street drug, right? But if you go to a clinical setting and it's used with, you know, set and setting and intent and guided, uh, and you're doing it for a purpose, like that's, that changed my life. 
so you know the the mushroom like hero doses i've done a couple of those as well and they were life-changing as well but again set and setting intent um safety like there's a way to do it right there's a way to introduce these things into your life where they're not going to be your life or take your life um so uh and luckily i haven't had that problem where um the addiction to something like that hasn't hasn't you know i haven't succumbed to that so you know, I'm just grateful for that's just how I'm wired. Uh, but I do completely empathize and understand about the why. Like I get, I totally get why, um, you know, addictions exist. Like I, I know, like I can, I can sense like, oh, this, I can understand why this feeling would be a lot better than what you're experiencing right now. Right. And Johan Hari, I'm sure you've heard of him. He has a great Ted talk on that about everything we know about addictions is wrong. He talks a lot about it being about disconnection, right? So again, that, that education and self-awareness piece, that's all huge. Um, yeah. But again, yeah, man, you're talking about self-awareness, right? And then, you know, doing a certain thing, like becoming the stoner, like that becomes an identity. So, and you're sort of known for that. So what then you, then you're making this leap of like upending that and like, who are, who are you now? And who are you to your friends and everything has to, you're in chaos and everything kind of has to settle again. So that, that's a big, that's a big leap to like, just make a drastic change and like see how life pans out after that. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm one to uh, make big changes. I'm not really like a, a big like. There's some people that make like their incremental changes. Sure. They want to do those things. I'm somebody. I'm like, if I'm gonna do this, I'm just going for it. Like, that's the kind of, yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I I know for myself, like, uh, yeah, in terms of like kind of it becoming like an all day every day thing. Like that's not how it started, obviously. Right. Like it was kind of like one of those things where it's like, okay, I'm going to start doing it when I'm really sore from a workout and I need a good sleep kind of thing. And it's like, okay, I'll just do it like before dinner. And then it's like, okay, I'll just do it like on my drive home from work. And then it's like, well, I'll have a little bit before work. And it's like, it just compounds, compounds, compounds. And it's one of those things. Like, I mean, I'm still like, I'm not somebody who's like anti pot, like, I'm, I'm yeah. all about that kind of stuff. I, I mm-hmm. think everyone should just do whatever they think is best or for them or consult a doctor, however you want to go about it. But I just know for myself, it was kind of like, uh, yeah, like I, I was just using it to avoid kind of any emotions or feelings that pulled me off of what I had thought was the right path. So I was like, oh, I'm going to just numb these and then keep going. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, I like what you said as well about psychedelics, because uh, like even psilocybin, like I've never tried microdosing it. I've actually, uh, I've only had a few experiences with it, but I remember the first time I'd ever done it was like magic mushrooms was with a friend of mine and it was a decent dose. I didn't measure it or anything. I couldn't tell you how much it was, but I know that that was the day that I knew I had to quit smoking cigarettes and get out of the relationship I was in at the time. Like it was one of those like epiphany moments as I was sobering up and I'm like, I was like, wow, I didn't even really want to smoke cigarettes the entire time I was there, like for hours. Like that was the first time. And I'm like, maybe I don't need these things. Maybe I'm all yeah, right without them. Especially with the, the ketamine, like the mushrooms are the same way. I mean, any, I haven't found alcohols ever done this for me, but you know, uh, weed and, and mushrooms for sure. And the ketamine for sure. Um, if you're, there's a difference between like just taking it to get messed up and like be at a concert or something. Right. And, and like allowing it to allowing it to put you like in a proper space to like do work. Right. So the, the way I describe those, it's really hard to describe what the ketamine experience is like, but 
um, as far as doing personal work, um, I kind of equated it to say like a woodworking shop, right? So say you have a woodworking shop, you go in there, you shut the door, that's your world, right? You're in there, you've got these specific tools, you're in there for a specific purpose, you're going to build something, work on something, and the rest of the world is kind of like tuned out, right? You get in this flow state and you're in a working state in that workshop. And I thought, I think for the first time with the ketamine, you know, the psilocybin was, in, it was kind of like this too, but for sure the ketamine was like, put me in this space where time and space and everything did not exist. Like I was completely removed from the world for the first time and like in, and then put in this mental space that's like, oh, this is where we do this work. Like all the other stimuli and the stuff that we're trying to numb out or that even when we're trying to meditate or is trying to creep in, all of it was gone. And then I was able to, able to focus on the, the things that I needed to focus on to, to like quiet everything down to notice what the actual issue was and pull it up by the root. Um, and there was even moments in the experience where I was saying, oh, I understand. Yeah, yes. Okay, I understand. To things I had no idea I was even understanding. Like... It was just this, this knowing, like something in me and my core was like, oh, okay, I get it now. Even though me in the passenger seat was kind of like, I don't, what are we doing? I don't understand what you disagreed to. What do you understand? <laughs> but the changes were happening at like such a lower or higher level, however you want to look at it, that at that core, um, that that's what the drug allowed for. So again, I think intent matters set and setting matters like responsibility matters like why are you doing this and are you able to like it's a vulnerable thing to put yourself in this space to like fully allow yourself to like break open and and i kind of had that approach with this with the ketamine and i kind of thought you know uh i mean it wasn't going to happen but i had to enter into it with this mindset of like if this if it kills me if this kills me trying to find out what this is all about and where it's coming from i don't care like I literally want to solve this so badly that it doesn't, I don't care if it kills me. Um, obviously I don't want to die and there to get better, but I'm just trying to give you that idea of like fully releasing of the fear. So I'm not white knuckling trying to control the situation and like try and make sure it doesn't hurt me. I needed to fully release myself to it and allow whatever experience was happening and just, just allow it to occur and then integrate it afterwards. So I think if you have that kind of relationship with, with psychedelics or with whatever you're, you know, you're choosing to, to, um, journey with, I think that for me is, is the approach. I think it's when it's like, you know, and avoidance has its place. Like I get it. Like there is times to like stressful day and you, you have a couple of glasses of wine or you probably smoke a little weed and it's like, you just need to like, just decompress. Like avoidance is fine too. We don't always need to be facing our demons every single moment, every single day. I'm just saying at some point you need to know the difference between like the occasional decompression and like this, like you said, a chronic, um, I need this every single day, uh, addiction, uh, or going in with the intent to like do personal work. And I think there's, there's a time and time and place for each of those, right? No, I guess there's no time and place for the chronic use, but I'm saying, I, I understand it, that it happens and that we need to become self-aware at some point that it's occurring and then we need to make a shift. Like it's okay that it happens. Yeah, it's like kind of like the difference between like tidying and clean. Like it's like right. uh, like sometimes like it's okay to just like tidy up here and there, but sometimes it's definitely like yeah, you need to do a deep clean of your of your place the same way you got to do a deep clean of your brain. Like you can't just like kind of sweep things under the rug every single time. 
Yeah. But um, that's kind of the one. Sorry. No, I was going to say like the, um, you know, when the busier your life gets, the less time there is to deep clean. Yeah. hundred percent. If you can pull more out of small moments, right? Like, you know, if I, I dove into the bay, just like I said, right before we started chatting here, I went into the bay and dove in and I was in there for maybe three minutes, five minutes. But like what I got out of that three to five minutes was like, Oh my God, this, like, I just, I can pull so much out of a small amount of time, um, to help me reset where I don't need maybe like a two week vacation. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And one of the nice, like one of the things that I kind of resonate the most with what you're saying is it, it wasn't in your words, but maybe you can rephrase this if you feel the need to, but it's like some of these experiences that we're talking about, like, it's like, it forces you. Cause a lot of the time, naturally I want to say like, Oh, I'm going to deal with that later. I'm going to deal with that later. Like when I have a free day, I'll sit down and journal about that, like kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. it's like, it's one of those things that just forces you to just be present in them, like right here, right now. Like when you're having one of those experiences, like you're not thinking about, you know, um, Oh, what am I going to have to do in 15 minutes? Like, Oh, should I have, you know, should I check my new favorite podcast that's going to be coming out? Like, it's like, no, you're dealing with whatever's there right there right now. And, um, just having that experience for the first time, because that was kind of what I was thinking when I was on mushrooms the first time is like, I, like you said, like there was no concept of time. There was no concept of like, what am I doing tomorrow? Like there was nothing like that. It was just, it pulled me and it forced me to like, look right here, right yeah. now. Like what so is then, Yeah. But then, like we said, you can really understand when, if life is, is so incredibly harsh to some people, either in the past or in the past and the present or just whatever, whenever it is, like it, life is so incredibly harsh. So you can understand when someone takes something and it's like, it, everything just quiets and they have a good feeling. It's like, why would you not want to just do that all the time? Because life is so harsh and I, and it's so overwhelming and you don't know how to deal with it. I get it. Like it makes so much sense why you would just not, because it's like, well, just get yourself together and get your act together and pull up your bootstraps and all on and on and on and on. It's like, do you have any idea how hard life is on me right now or how hard it was? Or I don't even know what happened that far back. Like there's so much there. So I think we need to have a lot more empathy for why people are, you know, they're why they are managing with addiction. Like they want, they're trying to help themselves. It's not always like this, like, well, you made bad decisions and you, you're just lazy and on and on and on and on. It's like, you get, like, I get it, man. I, I fully get it. Um, yeah, there's time and place. And, and, uh, and at some point, hopefully we have the awareness to like wake up a little bit and then make some, make some changes. Um, whether it's rather all at once or, or a little bit at a time, right. To each their own. Yeah. And I was going to ask you, like, I know you can only kind of speak for like maybe the halls that you've worked in or the the different areas that you've worked in, but like, what's kind of like the culture like in terms of like the, being a first responder, being a firefighter, like it, it, do you have like kind of, cause I know I work in the construction industry and if I were to go in and tell guys like, Hey, I'm depressed. They'd be like, kind of like you said, they'd be like, bro, we're at work. This isn't the time for that. Like shut the hell up. Like it's like start framing this wall. And and like, is it a similar culture? Like that's kind of what, like I would assume is like kind of in the blue collar working class or like first responders, anything like that. There's kind of like this macho cowboy kind of mentality of like, okay, we got to keep going, keep going, keep going. Is that what you've experienced? Uh, Has it changed over your career? 
Uh, yeah, I think what you're talking started. about. Is, yeah, what you're talking about is stigma, right? The stigma surrounding it. Um, I think luckily I've been around a, a lot of great people and mentors, um, you know, and then, you know, to give myself, you know, some credit too, I think it's just a part of me that wanted to, uh, to be a firefighter in, in a certain way. And, um, yeah, so part of, part of it was in me and part of it was like emulating and wanting to live up to, um, these, these other mentors, uh, that I was mentioning. Um, yeah, so the stigma definitely, I don't, here's how I frame it. I don't think you're ever going to get rid of stigma for mental health, just like you're never going to get rid of racism, sexism, ageism, like you name it, you're not going to get rid of them, but because they're always going to exist, but we can become the majority to the alternative, right? So we can own the house. So kind of my whole goal with, um, and how I wanted to approach trying doing my part to shift the culture or to at least own the house. So then the minority voice becomes the people that are stigmatizing or anti, you know, personal growth or anti emotions. Um, I guess my goal was trying to be as, again, as imperfect as I am, um, as good as I could be at the job. Right. Um, so that I was, you know, not only that I could respect myself and doing it for the right reasons and, and, uh, and, and doing a good job, but then I was respected by my peers so that then when I do talk about these other things, it's like, well, I'm showing that again, you can be both right. Like you can't, you can't knock me down when I'm as functional or more, or more, more functional, say work-wise than you are. Right. Um, yet I'm doing these other things that you think are detrimental or, or useless or stupid or, you know, um, for people that are soft, right? Like if I'm, if I'm again, a foot in both worlds, if, if I show that I've got just as much grit and resilience and perseverance and, you know, and, uh, you know, can mess shit up as much as anybody else yet I can still then on the other side address all like the empathetic and compassion and, and self-awareness, if I can show you that you can do both, well then what are you going to say? Right? So you again, if you want to be the change you want to see in the world, like you gotta, you have to walk the talk, you have to show that it's possible. So then there's no way that they can shit on it. So I think myself and a number of other people in the service and, and in my department have done that, uh, for a long enough period of time now. And I think just with the, the war of attrition with like, you know, the newer school mentality of like it being, it being more and more okay just to deal with your spirituality and your mental health and all these other aspects of yourself. I think it's, there's been this shift where, uh, I can't speak to every department, but I know say in my specific department, I think, um, stigma isn't dead because it never will be, but I think we own the house as, as we're, as far as it goes to speaking about our experience of the job, right. And our experience of, our home lives. Um, another thing I'll, I'll mention is that, you know, you hear very often people say, well, I leave, I leave work at work, right? I, you know, one thing, man, I see when I leave work is the, is the work and work in the rear view mirror. Like I leave work at work. I'm like, well, well, do you leave home at home? And no one ever says I leave home. I leave, I leave home. I leave home at home. It's like, no one ever says that. Why? Because you can't, because you're living like you're living a fluid experience. Like, I'm either at home or I'm at work, but I'm not a different person. I'm just in a different location on the planet. Like, 
your brain is living a fluid experience. You don't leave anything. You don't have this magic switch that you flip off work and flip on home. Like they're always, always there both together. And you can choose to maybe focus on one more than the other. But again, to your point of like intrusive thoughts and dreams and like if you avoidance is okay for a time because maybe you do need to just like, okay, I need to like add a rough night. That was really shitty call. I've got this thing I got to do with my girls today. I got to like focus on that and get that done and be present for them. But at some point I have to address whatever that fucked up thing was. I have to, right. Or it's going to keep on me and then it's going to, it's going to like affect my, the other people in my life. So, um, yeah, it, we're living a fluid experience. So again, I think we need to have this mentality that you can be both. You can be this, you can be the Spartan warrior and you can be the Buddha or, you know, as, at the same time. And I think the, the most effective, if you say you want to help people, I want to help people really. Okay. Well, some people want to help people on the fringes. Like they want to cut the car apart, but they don't really want to like be with the people in the car to like help them. They don't want to touch people or talk to them or like really like and help. I just want to like help in my own way, which is fine. But I mean, helping is also like, you know, again, that connection with people, that human side of it, like that is also helping. And I think in all aspects, being comfortable and confident in allowing that humanness to creep into the job and then eventually finding the balance of the both that makes you the most effective first responder. Yeah. And what about like with the, with the ketamine therapy as well? Like, is that kind of stigmatized? Is that something that you like, were you kind of like, you know, hesitant to kind of maybe, cause I know like, even when I first started like going to counseling or seeing a psychologist or, um, you know, starting my own medication, like with, um, mm -hmm. with antidepressants, anti-anxiety medication, like those were things where I was kind of, you know, in my previous jobs, I was kind of like, Oh, I don't really want my boss to know about this. I don't really want my yeah. managers to know about this because yeah. they might look at me different or think about me right. different or give me a lighter workload when I think I can bear it. Like, is that something that you've experienced or is, is that something that you can be open about? Uh, obviously you can be open about it if you're talking about it right now, but yeah, I mean, I've, I know there are departments uh, especially in the States. Like, I mean, I'm sure there's ones in Canada too that do like random drug testing and like they're all, I mean, obviously you can't be under the influence of something when you're at work. Like you just can't. Right. Um, I'm sure there are people that are and hide it. Uh, but anyways, having that as a policy is, is for sure. You need to be able to have that. Um, but you know, having some THC in your urine, like, you know, a couple of days later, like you're not high at work, like you're just, it's in your system. So that has to be adjusted a little bit. Um, yeah, the, I've, I've never, I've, I've always thought about when I'm, if I'm going to speak about the mental health thing that I, and I want pe people to be vulnerable and I want them to open up and I want them to feel better. Like I want them to be able to wake up to maybe some things that I woke up to that helped me sooner than I did. Right. Um, that I had to just be open and just tell my story. So, you know, that video that, you know, I sent you is from quite a long time ago. Um, and I just knew it was important to, and that's important in general in firefighting, right? Like I, I, I talk about this, about being an instructor. Like if you can't, if you can't do the skill you're teaching, you shouldn't be teaching it. Like you just shouldn't. 
Like, don't stand there with your arms crossed and like point at me and bark at me about not doing something perfect and you couldn't even do it yourself. Get out of here, right? So you have to be able to walk the talk. Like, if you're going to teach something, you better be able to do it. You better be able to show it and maybe even do it better than the people you're teaching. Because you should have, you know, pseudo mastered it, and that's why you're. I think, I think your mic fell. I think your mic fell. There's something. Something sounds off. No, we good. It sounds a little bit like uh, like a, you're, I'm hearing you through a wall or something like that. Well, we must like we might have got glitchy. Eh? Hold on. Like nothing's changed on my end. That's super weird. Maybe it's my headphones. Maybe, or maybe it just got glitchy. We're dealing, we, we're dealing with technology. We'll just go for it. And oh, wait, that sounds better. Okay. That okay. Was perfect. We're perfect again. All right. <laughs> as near perfect as possible. Don't take shit from machines, man. That's one of my other things. Don't take shit from machines. Um, yeah. So sorry, I was just saying that I think you need to be able to walk the talk, and I think adding that. If you expect people to be vulnerable, then you need to be, you need to be vulnerable, right? So you need to be able to tell your story. You're speaking from experience. Here's what I've gone through. Here's what I've done to make it better. Here's how I've navigated this again, imperfectly three steps forward, two steps back. Um, always a work in progress, I think. And I, I haven't really received any pushback because of that. I think it's only had positive results. So then that then encourages you to be even more vulnerable and more open and, and more uh, able to share things. Um, and, and I saw it as, you know, I got feedback that it was beneficial to other people, like in the way that I hoped it would be. So again, you get, you get that momentum behind you and then you realize that more good comes from um, opening up about these things. And it does about, you know, trying to, 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 convince people like the guys at your workplace that, it, you know, everyone wants to, you know, feel like it doesn't exist. <laughs> no one's living a human experience at your workplace, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I love the way you speak about that, man, because uh, like walking the talk, I I love that a lot because that was one of the things that I literally, again, revisiting that phone call I had with my friend yesterday, I'm like, man, I always tell people if they have a crutch, they need to ditch it. Like you can't just walk on a crutch your whole life, especially like, um, if it's something that's kind of holding like, well, obviously it's always kind of holding you back or like debilitating in a minor way. It's like just a little bit enough that it's going to hold you back, but not enough that you're like, I really need to change this thing. And that was one of the things I was really looking at myself in the mirror. And it's like, man, I'm not practicing what I preach. And so like, mm -hmm. I, if I really want to be effective at anything in my life, I really have to just at least try this. Like maybe, you know, like maybe it doesn't work out, but I should at least give it a shot. Yeah, that, and that's the that's the leap of faith, right? Um, and again, I I really want to hammer home that you know we can't then beat ourselves up and look back at like, oh, I wasted all these years doing this, right? Like, you obviously, based on your life and everything that led up to that moment, you you know, it's not all on you. Like you, you were doing the best you could and managing the best you could. And now you've woken up to something else and be happy about that. And then know that however you were, you know, leading up to that got you to where you are now and then make some changes and move forward. So again, we're human and we're not going to do things perfectly. We're going to mess up in the future. It's not like, Oh, if I do a, B and C and I get to like, well, then I'll, then I'm good. Right. And, you know, I think 
as you age too, you start to realize more and more like you need to stop thinking about, oh, when A, B and C are done, then I'll start living my life. Right. It's like, dude, you're living it right now. Like you're in it. Like <laughs> This is it right now. Whatever your life is right now, you're living it. This is your life. So stop thinking that it's going to start in five years or 10 years. And I think it's easy to do when you're 25, maybe even 30, maybe even 35. It's easy to think, well, when I get this, this and this, then that's when my life will begin. And that's when we'll start. That's when I'll be happy. That's when a whatever. But I think you realize when you get, you know, you're approaching 50, it's like, damn, like, you know, three more years is 50, right? That's, you're kind of, you're in it. You're living your life. You have been the whole time and you've been fooling yourself. So, you know, you know, get, get done what you can get done now. Like be good to yourself now, be a friend to yourself now. I love the way you said that because, um, just when you said, um, you know, you were doing the best with what you had, like, that's a very sobering thought because, well, like I've kind of been intoxicated by anger even just thinking back, like you said, like how to having these thoughts of like, man, what if I wasn't doing this thing for years and years and years? Or what if I had chosen another thing? What if I had, you know, um, I mean, there's so many ways to look at it. What if I had saved more money? What if I chose a different career path earlier on in life or whatever it is? And just kind of hearing you say that right now, it hits home for me because that's that's literally what I was trying to tell myself but just hearing it from someone else it, it, it hits home because it's like man it's one of those things and that's why I find the importance of podcasting because we can have all these conversations with ourselves we can journal about it like I'm a big like writer in that I journal I try to every single day but hearing it from someone else it's like okay he's obviously had these same thoughts he's obviously had these same perspectives at some point mm -hmm. and um I want to say it's thanks a, for that man yeah for sure, man. I, I totally agree with, with your, uh, with your take on having conversations like that. Yeah. That's exactly why I do what I do. But, um, yeah, I just think we need to be more compassionate to ourselves. Like self-love is really important. And, um, it's, you shouldn't have different standards for your, like, well, I have different standards. I have higher standards for myself than everyone else. It's like, well, um, that's either one of two things. It's either elitism, like you think you're so good and so great that you're allowed to have higher standards for yourself than everyone else. Or it's like martyrdom. It's like, well, I'm, I'm harder on myself than I am on anyone else. And that makes like a victim mentality, right? Like it's one of the, one of the either end of the spectrum. It's one of the two. So you shouldn't have different standards for yourself than you have for everyone else. You should have the same standards for yourself as you have for everyone else. And you should speak to yourself like you would speak to a friend. So if you're telling me your story, I'm not going to be like, Mark, you've been a really fuck. You've been a total fucking idiot. Like, what have you been doing with your life? And I'm just shitting on you the entire time. Like, A, that's not what, I, what I'd be thinking. But B, why would I say that to you? Like, if I'm your friend, why would I not be like, okay, we're here. This is your experience. Let's, how do I help you? And how do we move forward? Right? So, but we would never talk to a friend that way. So why do we talk to ourselves that way? For some reason, it's okay. Right? So you need to have this. You know, I've had that experience too, where I'm like, oh, I've realized that, you know, some of these people that have it all together, you know, they maybe had different opportunities presented to them and in different structures and different, uh, you know, backgrounds that allowed for that to their path to go that way. Again, so this isn't a victim mentality. It's not like, well, I didn't have A, B and C. So it just it, it completely excuses everything and forgives me and you know like I, it's an excuse of why i'm here and it's a victim mentality it's more like just understanding okay i made all these decisions and instead of like 
killing myself about them. It's like, well, why did I make those decisions? And it really is owning it in a legitimate way and then going, okay, I, and I, I understand why you did that. Like I totally understand now it's easy in hindsight to armchair quarterback and look back and say what it could have, should have, um, at your own life, especially when you're looking at other people that are at the same age and they've done quote unquote better than you have. Um, but everything happened and it's not the, everything happened. Everything did happen for a reason, but not in the kind of like the ethereal, like, Oh, it's all just fate and everything happens for a reason. Everything did happen for a reason. And there's reasons that led up to why you're here. So just like, just know your story. You know, you can feel bad about it if you want for, uh, you know, if you need to, that's fine. And that's part of the human experience too. But um, it's important to look back and own it and try and uncover as much as you can. And it's an uncomfortable experience, but, um, and you shouldn't be expected to do it overnight. So th uh, this is for you, like one of these things I wouldn't recommend you just do overnight. <laughs> but on the flip side, I was like, I'd be with my counselor and I, you know, we'd be, we'd be, we're 12 years in. I'm like, do people normally take this long? Like, do people not figure this shit out faster than it's been 12 years, man? Like, why, are we, why am I taking so long? So we've all got our own path and it, it took me, you know, well up till, you know, recently. So, but legitimately in counseling for like almost two decades. So like cut yourself some slack, right? Give yourself some time. Um, and you're not going to do it perfectly every day and there's going to be slide backs and you just got to like, just keep, man, just keep trying to reset. Like that's all you can do. Just keep, keep trying to reset. Um, and there's days where you're not going to feel like you've made any progress at all and that's okay. Right. And we're going to be down on ourselves, but that's okay too. So it's just part of the experience, but you're still here. So you're doing okay. Yeah. My, my, uh, again, jumping back to that conversation, my buddy says, he's like, uh, you know, as, as cliche as it sounds like everything is always working out for you, man. Always. Otherwise you wouldn't be here right now. You know, if it didn't work out, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be right. here right now. Mm -hmm. So it's like uh, just one of those reminders. And another thing that I heard this morning on a podcast that I was listening to, um, it was like kind of, uh, he was describing it as like switchbacks on a mountain. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so he's like, you know, your, your direction's changing consistently and there's going to be all yeah. these like kind of, it feels like you're going backwards, but it's mm -hmm. like, no, you're still going up, you know, like it's like, you're still moving yeah. away from that valley that you were in. Right. Or you get lost, right? And you took, you went down the wrong path and then you hit a dead end. You're like, fuck, like that was a waste of time. Like that was a waste of a day or a week or a month or a year or whatever. Like that happens too. Cause you're just going to, you're not all of a sudden awakened to like, okay, now I need to make better decisions. And you're just going to now from now on make better decisions. Like you're still going to make, you're going to still make bad decisions or imperfect decisions or whatever based on what you have. Cause you haven't figured it all out. So this whole, again, this whole idea of like, oh, okay, now I figured it out. Now things are just going to get, they're going to be gold from now on. Like that's, that's just an expectation that's completely unrealistic. And expectations are important, man. Like we have to be careful with what our expectations are of ourselves and what our expectations are of other people because um, they're not always met. Right. And then you got to deal with that. So yeah, man, I like that. I like that uh, metaphor of like the switchbacks. That's really important. Or you get stuck for 127 hours between two two uh, rocks, and you got to cut your own arm off. Like, <laughs> man, if if you haven't seen um, on that note that movie, there, uh, I'll recommend a couple movies for you if you don't mind. Oh yeah. Um, one's called Touching the Void. 
Okay. I it's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. It's totally free. And if you want to talk about like, you know, near death experiences and grit and uh, the will to survive. And that's a big one. Um, and then another one uh, that's on Netflix is called Last Breath. That's a really powerful one too. Deep sea divers in the, in the North Sea and uh, a real uh, crazy event occurs and how, how they, uh, they come out of that. That's a, that's a great one too. Again, you speak to like these, you know, podcasts being important and conversations being important and these, these stories of survival and grit and perseverance, like they matter too. Oh, a hundred percent. Those are the things, like I said, like, uh, in the last, and, and that was kind of what started even my self-development journey was like kind of reading and journaling. And that was really, uh, when I first started, I was reading just like a bunch of nonfiction books. Like I was just reading like kind of philosophy books or different kind of, uh, you know, self-help books, motivational books, etc. And then there was like a first couple like fiction, like novels that I had read, where I was like, oh, I got way more out of that than the last self-help book that I just read. Yeah, it's important to balance that out. We can don't we can go down that self-help rabbit hole, right? Where everything we do in our whole life is about, you know, self-help. And like I said earlier on, I think like a, a personal growth break is good once in a while. Sometimes you do, sometimes you do just need to coast. Sometimes you need a weekend off or a week off or whatever. Like you need, that's important too. Like everything in moderation, even moderation, right? Yeah. A hundred percent. And, um, are you on a time constraint? Sorry, I should have asked no, you that. Okay. No, man. Wicked. We're good. Yeah. Wicked, wicked. I was going to ask you as well. Like, are, were, was this something that you've always like kind of discussed at the hall? Like you were saying, like there was people telling you like, Hey, you got to start a podcast or write a book. Like, is it because you were talking about these types of topics at work? Uh, yeah, it was mostly, um, like there's a couple of moments in recruit classes really mostly or teaching, right? I think teaching is like, uh, it's funny. I was always, uh, you know, terrified of public speaking as a kid. You know, I would, I would write the speech to be done. I'd bring it. I'm like, here it is, but I'm not doing it. Like I just would, I'd take the zero on it out of principle just cause I was terrified of it. And again, that goes into like the experience I was having and low self-esteem and, the judgment and the bullying, like it just, it, it, it sadly like prevented that. But the, um, you know, this is where the, again, the fire service gets given me a lot more than it's ever taken away. And, and early on in my career, like the, the more senior firefighters, like, okay, you're going to get up in front of us and you're going to talk to us about whatever this topic, like they already know the topic, but they want me to talk to them about it, research and give a little talk about it. And, you know, as much as it was a, you know, um, it was like that brotherly kind of like tough love and like, but there was, it wasn't a, there wasn't uh, malice or malevolence or like there were, no one was there to hurt me. Like they wanted to, they were, they were busting my balls a little bit, but they wanted me to grow and they, they were supportive and they offered feedback. And so I think that gradually allowed me to be like, okay, more and more comfortable with standing up and talking in front of people. Um, and so I think that eventually led into, uh, you know, being around good instructors and then wanting to instruct. And then again, learning something, knowing that specific topic, speaking about it specifically, you know, uh, and then you get better and better at it. And then I think over time, like in interjecting and integrating like who I was as a person and the way I wanted to instruct, the way I wanted to, to talk to people, how would I want people to teach me and then doing, and then, you know, emulating that back to the people that I taught. I think that's, that's maybe what resonates with people is that, you know, they can tell you care, they can tell you're there on point for them. You want them to learn, you want them to thrive and you want them to succeed, but you're challenging them 
right? You're not, you're not cutting them any slack. Again, that foot in both worlds, right? So I think that's, that's what allowed uh, maybe those interactions to occur where people thought, like, I really enjoyed that, right? And uh, you should do more of that. Um, I think that's just that gradual encouragement over time. And then the universe, like I said, putting a few things on my path uh, allowed it to, to be. And then um, I think I've just really focused on, uh, I mean, as much as it's nice as you want, you want a lot of people to hear it, right? I mean, but there's a lot of podcasts out there. You will never get through all the content. Um, you know, and it's nice to have a, a following in that too, but I really made it like guest focused, right? Like I, I kind of want to make every episode as like a gift to that person, right? It's sort of like, here's my gift to you for what you, you were, you know, you came to me and you talked to me. So here's my gift to you. Like, here's your story. Um, and even the one I did with my dad, that kind of like is the epitome of that, right? Like to be able to sit down with my dad and like focus for a couple hours and then talk about him and his life and like give that to him. And then it's something that I can listen to back when he's gone and what my, my daughters can listen to as well and remember him. And so I've just kind of like, I could have, you know, tried to force this thing and like release one a week and really tried to crush it and push it and make it popular and but however it, it fit into my life, I've just sort of allowed it to be what it is. And it's just gradually been another thing that's kind of given me more back than I've, you know, I put a lot into it, but it's given me even more back. Um, and it's been a really enjoyable experience. So yeah, no signs of stopping in the near future, but I'll do it for as long as I can. And, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be, uh, you know, 2000 episodes and Rogan level popularity. Like it, you know, for me, I'm approaching like episode 50 and like, that's a, you know, I'm like, wow, there's 50 episodes. That's 50 more than I thought I would ever do. So it's been great. And I've, I've learned so much from everyone that's been on and even learned so much about the people that I already knew being able to sit and talk directly and just, just listen, like being on this end of things and like, you're the one listening and I'm the one talking. It's a little bit, <laughs> it's a nice change up. Um, but yeah, just being able to sit and listen. And then I learned a lot about people that I already thought I knew things about. So that's a really cool thing and is, has taught me to, you know, listen to understand as opposed to listen to try and reply. Yeah, hundred percent. I, um, I know exactly what you mean. And that's why like, even that, that's why I've chosen kind of like the format that I have, because mm -hmm. I, I know like, um, I've got a couple other buddies that do their own podcasts and everyone does have like their own kind of way of going about it. Mm. And I know like uh, one of my friends, he always has like, I have a notepad beside me, but I'm just writing down little things that I think are interesting. Like I wrote down the titles of those movies, um, little things like that. But I, I know like there's certain guys that will, they'll prepare like a full list of questions and they'll just bang off each question one by one by one. And um I've tried doing that. Like that was how I did my first couple episodes. And I found that I was like, man, I'm not even listening. I'm just waiting to ask my next question. You know, like I find that this is like forcing me to just, I'm listening because I actually am curious, you know, like I'm just curious on how other people think that yeah. their experiences, especially like talking to a lot of older men, like that was a lot of the things I used to think about was like, man, nobody really probably feels the way I feel or thinks the way I think. And, just even being able to speak to other people that I view as mentors, it's like, 
well, like I never even thought I'd get the opportunity to chat to people like this or like, you know, they're so far away or they, that person would never give me an hour of their time or more, you know, it's, it's uh, such a cool opportunity, man. Yeah. We talked briefly about that, but you know, leading up to this about uh, different approaches. And so I definitely, I mean, you can tell from listening to, if you listen to a number of episodes, there definitely is an arc. There are some like, you know, base questions. I think that's, that's the foundation of the starting point. I really like the idea that I wanted it to be more, more about to show how different each person is, but that they're all there for the same reason. Like I, I felt my story, like we've talked about has led me for a reason to be where I'm at in the job and why I want to be the way I want to be. So, but there's a million of those different, different paths that all kind of like coalesce in, you know, to people being a, a part of a team and, in, in in the fire service or, you know, or paramedics or police or corrections or military. Like it's, there's that, there's an arc, right. That should be running through everybody. The reason why we're there. Um, so I love the idea of the story. And I think that, you know, the chronological talk is, you know, you touch on things that maybe they would never even have thought to bring up a conversation. And then, so I, I find that base level of questions is like the foundation and then the uniqueness of each person and their story then in the moment brings up different questions in my mind that I'll ask during the, during the talk. So yeah, it's cool to see, um, everyone's process, um, and, and how different they are and how we all end up where we're at. Yeah, some, people, some people don't edit at all and some people edit like meticulously and, I've always been a, like a meticulous editor. Like I, there's a certain way that I want it to sound and, and Brad, like, um, you know, uh, God love him. He's, he's awesome. Like he just, he just gets it. He's like, yeah, man, I got it. I, I totally get your flow and, and he's, he's wicked. So I'm really grateful to have him. Ed, how did you find like someone like, were these guys that you were like, okay, we're going to build this together. Like we're going to all do this together. Or were you like, did you start off where you're like, editing all your own stuff and doing all the social media stuff and doing everything yeah, yeah. like that. Yeah, it was, um, it was definitely like a thing that I was doing on my own, um, you know, uh, fully produced and, and, uh, and doing all the editing and, and, you know, putting together the posts and releasing. And, um, and so, uh, just, yeah, it just really was like a, a gift, like a universe gift, like, you know, that Brad and Matt showed up and just said, Hey man, we, like, we love what you're doing and we align with it and we want to help. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah. And same thing with Southwest too, like being able to teach there and then being, them being cool and aligning with it as well and wanting to support it. Like just really good, authentic, genuine people. Right. So, um, yeah, it's just been happenstance that it's all just come together and we're super grateful for it. And that vibe, that energy, I think, man, that's everything. So, um, yeah, I just hope we can, you know, we can keep doing it. And then there's been enough feedback from, from people, uh, you know, saying that it's been very helpful to them and that the intent, I, like, I, I get the feeling that the intent is being felt. Right. And then it's resonating and it's helping people. So, um, yeah. And then I, again, I just get lucky to like, I feel lucky that I get to be the one asking all the questions, right? <laughs> I get the front row seat. I don't have to be in the, in the, in the car listening. Like, well, I wish you'd ask this question. It's like, I just get to ask the question. I get to ask the questions. Like, so that's a real privilege. So there's like a lot of privileges, uh, 
and blessings that go with the whole thing. So yeah, man, it's a, there's a real good vibe going on with it right now. So it's, it's a gift. I love that, man. Were you, were you concerned at all in the very beginning? Like, I know we kind of talked about like the stigma around work, but were you concerned at all about like kind of talking about these things? Like, Oh man, I hope that, you know, these people don't find out or these people don't think about me differently. Like when you were starting the podcast, were you thinking like, maybe I shouldn't have these thoughts in public eye. Like maybe these are just like counselor and, 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 uh, you know, doctor kind of conversations. Like, did you have that kind of thought? Well, I think I've always been, I've always been caught. I've never had any fears around, Oh, I shouldn't say this. I shouldn't say, so the way I record, I also tell my guests, like, this is your episode. Like you get final edit rights, right? Like it's recorded. It'll get edited. I'll send it to you. You can listen to the full thing. You can send it to as many people as you want and vet it. Any edits you want that you're not happy with, just tell me what they are, the timestamps, and I'll edit them out. No questions. Like this is literally your your episode. You have full control. You have no fear of anything you say getting by our conversation, like getting by our conversation. Like you get control. So then what that allows is this full free flow conversation. We can say whatever the hell we want. Because in the edit, we can both then decide like, okay, well, I shouldn't have mentioned that name in that situation, or I really would have sure would have rephrased that this way, or it allows us not to like, we, I've never ever once for any of the episodes lost the authenticity or the genuineness or the, or the realness, or it's never been like sugarcoated, but I don't think I've ever really been that way myself or the people that were coming on. There's never been any, again, malice, malevolence, mal, you know, bad intent. Like it's never been there. So, and we're allowed to speak broadly about issues and about the fire service, maybe in particular that we know something about, um, in a way where we're not, you know, we're not shitting on people or on specific departments or, you know, making claims that we shouldn't or saying things like we're just, we're just good people having good conversations. So yes, we have opinions on things. Yes. There's some things that maybe I'm not happy about that. I, that I want to, you know, verbalize, but I'm not attacking anybody. Right. I'm not looking to hurt anybody. I'm not, um, I'm, I've never, you know, said anything. I don't think that's, you know, going to offend anybody. Like, that's none of that is the energy that I'm putting into it. So I don't, I haven't had any fear. I think initially, I guess I, I the one caveat I would say is I kind of tried to maybe not, maybe some of the guests did that were work for the department, but maybe it was like, I was like, well, maybe we shouldn't use the department name just because I wanted to, I wanted to keep it separate from work and I wanted them not to necessarily have any, it to come up where they would then have control over the creative thing I was trying to do. Um, but then I even did a post like a mental health related post, like, wanting to open up about my story and about stigma and about our peer support team. And I'm like, you know what? I, there's nothing bad going on here. There's nothing bad that's going to be going on here. So I should be able to mention the department I work for and there shouldn't be any pushback on it. Like if anything, it's a, it's a good thing. Like it's not going to see as a bad thing for them. So, you know, I, I kind of got over that and, you know, I'm not afraid to talk about it now, but um, yeah, so there's a, a bit of like, I want this to be my creative process and I don't want anybody else to have a say that that was more there, but I was never afraid of like what I was going to say. And I really over like what 5,000 plus posts on Instagram, you know, and then, and then coming on 50 episodes, like there really hasn't been any negative feedback. 
and push back. So, so far as I, I think we're, we're approaching it in the right way. And, but, and, and I don't think if you're approaching things in a, I think if you're approaching things in a fear-based or I'm worried about what I'm going to say, or you're always kind of like holding back, like people can sense that and it doesn't really sound genuine, authentic. So it's not really interesting, right? They, they want to hear you. They want to, they want to hear what you have to say because they're listening to you. And that's the cool thing about, you know, I think the cool thing about social media and podcasts is like, if you don't like it, you don't have to look at it and you don't have to listen. <laughs> you could literally be five minutes in or like partway through scrolling on my feed and be like, this guy's garbage, unfollow, right? You can just turn it off and listen to something else. So I love the idea that I'm like, what I, what I put out there, no one has to listen to it. Like it's not being forced on them. You're not being put in the classroom and like I go up and you have to listen to me talk for two hours. Like that's not the way it happens. Like you literally are making the choice. So it's like I can release this thing that I think might be helpful. And if people want to look at it and they want to listen to it, they can. And I really like that as like I'm not trying to force anything on anybody. So it's nice. It's nice that way. Like, you know, you create a painting and you hang it up and it's in a gallery. And it's like if you want to go look at it, you can. If you don't, you walk down the hallway, you look at something else. So, um, I like the that. cancel like culture that. people that man. Yeah. Yeah. I just, obviously we have to, and this is the thing with the fire service too, right? Okay. So let me, let me just, the thing you just said, and like, let me just layer on the fire service as an example for that. There are, there are things uh, in the fire service, you know, from the beginning, again, it's not perfect. So from the beginning to now, there are being, there are some things that should be jettisoned, right? Like obviously racism and sexism and stigma and all those things don't belong, like obviously. So if those things are a part of our, our experience as a service, they need to be gone like today, yesterday, right? They shouldn't have existed before, but there are a lot of traditions a lot of things, that, and this is one of the questions I ask people, like sometimes, like what traditions do you think we should hold on to and which ones do you think we should let go of? So I think we should always be revisiting things like this and thinking we can't just upend everything, right? You can't just upend everything. There's got to be, there's something here of value in this service. So what is that and what do we carry forward as like we cannot at this moment let this go? And it's okay to keep revisiting and seeing if you need to keep it. But if you keep, and I like to do that, I like to break things into a million pieces and then put it back together. And if we still have most of it and we, we leave a few pieces, then we move forward. And then we, as long as we keep doing that regularly, I think we're going to be keeping ourselves honest. Again, I don't think we have it all figured out right now. And there's going to be some changes over the years and in the future, but we're doing the best we can right now with what we have. Right. But I don't think we can upend the service and everything that it's ever stood for just because, just because. And, you know, Jordan Peterson talks a lot about that too, right? Like, sure, you, you want to break down every system and every in all over the world that's in place. Okay, so what do you want to replace it with? A new system? Well, yeah, but if you, no, but if you have, I'm saying if you have, if you, all you want to do is break shit apart and you have no offering of like how it, what you should replace it with, then all you're doing is breaking everything apart and it's just chaos. Like, you need, we need some structure, whatever it is. It, we oh, need yeah. Some, so, so I think that's the fire service for sure has to be look at itself honestly as often as possible, but there's also some, some traditions that we just need to, we also need to hold on to for dear life because, or we lose the, lose the whole purpose of our mission. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I, um, 
if you don't mind me asking, like what, what, what were some of the kind of the traditions where you're like, okay, we definitely need to keep these, but what were some of the traditions where you're like, we need to get rid of this? Yeah. Like I think the, again, the stigma of mental health, like obviously that needed to go and, and, you know, just like anything, like hopefully there's people out there that see something, you know, recognize through talking to enough people that, that, that yeah, it really should be upended and, and, and done away with. And then they start working really, really hard on that area, right? Like, you know, if, if mental health is a thing that I want to tackle, then, then I, you know, I'm going to go all at it and, atta and attack it and try and, and fix it. And, you know, and someone could be thinking about, you know, certain tactics or, you know, this isn't right. We need to change that. So I think it just takes certain people to make, to recognize things, but then have conversations, right. With, with the people in the service as much as we can, uh, to then decide, you know, what stays and what goes. Um, you know, the things I mentioned before about, you know, the racism, the sexism, those, those are two big things too. Like gender is not a factor, uh, you know, when it comes to firefighting, like when we're all in our gear, everyone looks exactly the same. No one inside the structure really cares at all, like what you are. <laughs> and all the only thing matters is, can you do the job or can you not? That's literally what it matters and what only thing that matters. And to all the guys out there that just think be, just think because they have, you know, different junk between their legs that they're innately good at the job. That's a load of shit too. Cause there's a lot of guys that are shit at the job. Oh yeah. Just cause you're a guy doesn't mean you're good. So get out of your head again. So, and then the same thing applies to racism, right? Like, like none of these things belong. They just don't belong. They just get in the way. It just creates for bad dynamics and it, it gets us off mission. It's just being, you know, if you're there and you want to help people and then you're going to be what, you know, being, being mean to people, you know, but you want to help people like what's, it doesn't really align. Right. So it's okay to be critical, you know, in a professional way about people that are not meant for the job. Like I could come work construction with you, man. And I think, you know, but from talking to me, like I'm a pretty good person, like we could be buddies, right. We could like hang out and chat and go see a movie. Like, but you may be like, don't touch the hammer. Like <laughs> don't, don't touch the saw. Don't touch anything. Just stand here and don't touch anything. Like, I you might can carry, be, you could carry that stuff. No, yeah, no, like, no, I'm just joking. Again, like I might be a really, really good person and I may be really good at another job, but I may be a, sh I may be shit at construction. Like that's okay. It doesn't mean I'm a bad person. It just means I'm not meant for the job. So just like that, just that exact same example, there are people that are not meant to be firefighters. Like it's, that's, that's just okay. Like there's a million and one jobs that you might be really good at and you're just not good at this one. Like that's okay to realize, but I think there is a problem with this whole like, well, it's my dream. Should I should, so I should just have it. It's like, well, but that's about you. That's about you. That's not about like what we're actually here for. And that doesn't help us or the people that you want to help. That's just about you wanting to have your dream. So it's okay to have your dream and then work towards it and be functional and be good. But, but right. Like I may dream of being like a, you know, uh, you know, deep sea diver. I mentioned that movie, but I may I may be shit at it. So I shouldn't do it. Like, that's okay. It doesn't mean I'm a bad person. So I think we need to, yeah. Um, we need to be very careful of, of what criticisms we are, uh, leveling and, and the reasons behind them. Like it's okay to be professionally critical, but you know, being personally critical, um, 
because of the way that a person looks or, the, or their sexual orientation or whatever. Like it's just, that's just not cool, man. Like it's, it's just not cool in general. So the stuff that the human side of our experience is injected into every workplace we're in because it's the same people. They're just in a workplace or they're at home. Like they're the same people. So we're going to, we're going to bump up against these, these, uh, you know, people dynamic issues, which is, man, the jobs, the jobs way simpler than, than, than you think. And the, the hard parts, the people dynamics, <laughs> the people make it difficult, but the job is pretty simple. And so I'm sure construction's the same way. Yeah, it can be, it can be for sure. Yeah. I like, I like what you're saying, man, because, um, I remember like when I was a little kid being a firefighter was one of the things I wanted to do. And then I realized, Oh, I'm actually terrified of heights and uh, I am a bit squeamish around things like that. So it's like probably not in the cards for someone like me. And yeah, uh, like heat heights, hard work in the dark, man. Like that's like, (laughs) yeah, I can't do it. I can't do it. So like, obviously I wouldn't be cut out for it. And in terms of like, uh, yeah, like preferences of firefighters. Like, I don't care what gender, race, whatever. Like, man, if I pass out with CO2 because my apartment bursts into flames, like, I just want to know that I'm going to be able to be safely carried out of here. Like, yeah, and I mean, I I don't care who carries me out, man. You know, also one of the things I love about the job too is I've always seen it as the great equalizer. So it doesn't, when we go to a car accident, say, like, so not that we ever want bad things to happen to people, but if they do, like, I kind of have a feeling like, if, well, if bad things are going to happen, then I, you know, I kind of want to be able to be there to help. Right. Not every moment of every day, but like, I, I want to have these opportunities to like, you know, manifest, you know, being a good person. Um, and I've just always seen it as the, the, the great leveler. Like it, it doesn't matter how much money you have or, or, it doesn't matter anything about you when you're in the, when you're in that accident and you get injured, you're hurt in the exactly the same way as that another person would be hurt in the exact same situation. Like nothing else matters except for the fact that you need help right now. So it's just been a really cool, like social, uh, lesson for me over my life, right. That, you know, I, I grew up with a great perspective on people and, you know, um, and, you know, loving people for, you know, for, uh, who they really are and not for all these, these other reasons, you know, being, uh, uh, bigoted or racist towards people for their differences. Like that's, that was never, that was never taught to me. And I'm really lucky that I didn't have to unlearn that. Um, but anyways, the, the job itself, it's a great leveler, right? I've been in, I've been into like, you know, every different race, like every different, I tried to make exaggeration, but into a lot of different race races of people, different cultures, into their homes, right? You just invited into so many different people's homes in a very difficult time. And like I said, it's just a great equalizer. Like there's of all socioeconomic backgrounds, like you just can't you can't bring all these things together and say, well that person's like that. You just, you just can't do it. Like people are complex we're all you know and and we're all unique and but there are a lot of things that are the same and and this job has really shown me all of the ways that we're the same um and and everyone has you know everyone wants the same things right they want to be healthy and happy they want their family to be healthy and happy they want to be safe like again it's a great equalizer and they're very appreciative when you help them and you know, culture has never been a barrier when I've been helping people, you know, even, you know, at times language hasn't been a barrier because you, because 
the even speaking to someone like maybe you need some information, but you can pretty much get, get the gist of like what they need. Right. And, and so you can help them and then you can also get that, that appreciation, but you know, through body language and, and uh, you know, their facial expressions, like you can tell there's connection there. Right. So there's nothing, you know, that diversity, you know, uh, of, a, a or multiculturalism has ever gotten in the way or been, you know, um, anything on my mind when, when I'm working, when, you know, it's just like, it's not when I'm, when I'm not working, it's just not a thing. Right. It's just, it, again, it's a great equalizer. We are way more alike than we are different. And, um, yeah, everybody wants and needs the same things when these hard moments happen. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. No, I, I love that, 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 that the episode kind of take a turn like that. Cause that's kind of a really cool way for it to go about because I know exactly what you mean in terms of, uh, the, the great equalizer, man. And, uh, I was just thinking like, man, I'm just so I feel like grateful that people are willing to do that job because just like me thinking about like my fear of heights, it's like, yeah, not gonna dude. I every time we even have to like frame roofs and anything like that, like, I hate ladders, man, I could only imagine if the pressure is on like, I can do it on my own time if I need to take a breath and go down the ladder kind of thing. But it's like, I guess, yeah, I'm just I'm grateful, man, that there's people that are like you, man, that are willing to do that job and willing to uh, to risk those types of things because that's uh, it's not a job that I'd be cut out for. I'm glad that there's people that, that can do it. Well, I appreciate that. But, man, like, honestly, like, with, you know, uh, I'm, I'm appreciative of what you do too. Like, I, I – and I think, that again, if you really think about it, we do need to be really appreciative that of the people that do all the different jobs because that's really what we've decided to do as a culture, right? we've said that, okay, we're not all homesteading and we're all owning our own thing. And we, and you could get down a rabbit hole of that. Like maybe we should be doing that, but given the price of everything and on and on and on and corporations and blah, blah, blah. But my point being is that we've decided to like divide the work, right? Like, okay, I'll go do the firefighting thing. You go do this thing, you go do that thing. And then, and we'll get shit done. So, you know, we do need to be for any, it's very, very appreciated appreciated when people do appreciate what you do like like i'm I, I take it in like i'm not discounting you know what you're saying to me like it means a lot and i really appreciate it and i know you mean that genuinely um i guess my point is is that like i'm i'm equally appreciative of of people that do other jobs because again i'm not cut out for those things and and that they need to get done and the stuff that functions in the society every day when i drive around and i'm just doing things a lot of stuff work has been done that on the roads even right that I'm driving on and the, the vehicle I'm driving that I have no idea how to build like so I'm you know it's we can hold other jobs up on a pedestal but we are really all just contributing you know trying to move things forward that's beautiful man I love it I think that's a, a great way to wrap this up actually so awesome I'll, I'll, I want to say but not only thank you for doing what you do man but thank you for your time today it's been a real good pleasure for me and I know I, I feel like it's getting late because I go to bed early, but I can only imagine how you feel. So yeah, it's, it's getting your bed. I'm on shift tomorrow, so uh, but I'm good. I'm good. I, I promise. Uh, I'm good with my my sleep structure, my balance, my balance in my life. So I'd let you know. But this has been a perfect timing, and and dude, you're like you're really easy to talk to. It's you're, yeah, this is great. I'm gonna definitely dive into more of your episodes. I appreciate that, man. Thank you so much. I'm trying my best, dude. I think <laughs> everyone would say the exact same thing. I'm doing yeah, my yeah. best with what I got. So cool. yeah, dude, thank you so much for your time. Like I said, and uh, thank you for anyone that's listening to this, uh, go and check out his podcast, the multiple calls podcast.
and yeah. uh, that's pretty I much. Don't, it. I don't have a I don't have a personal IG or anything like that. I got rid of all my personal social media just because it was too much to manage both. But you can just DM me directly through the the IG um, uh, or Facebook. I mean, I I, go, I sort of just go on there and check to see if anybody's comment or not. I don't really post directly on Facebook or, but I will check messages and that. But IG is the easiest way to hit me up, or you can email me. And I will get back to you like very quickly. So if you have any other questions or you want to blast me for anything I said, <laughs> go ahead and hit me up and we'll have a discussion. We'll talk it out. Yeah, I don't think anyone would do that. But yeah, I don't know if you have anything that you want to share before we jump off. Any final words, last thoughts? Um, yeah, I guess I would just direct uh, like, yeah, the podcast is firefighting directed or focused, but a lot of people that aren't in the service have really enjoyed it because I think it's more of a human thing. So I would say, you know, just give it a shot and have a listen. And the, it does have, there is a website and especially if you, if you are in the service, like there is a resources page and everything's hyperlinked of a lot of things that I have found helpful over my career. Um, so I would definitely, um, uh, go on there and, and, uh, you know, try and learn from, from these, these people that have done a lot of work, like we're standing on the shoulders of giants. Um, I did a list of 50 rules for the senior firefighter that's on there. I also did 25 rules for the fire service instructor. So that's on there again, food for thought, something to think about and have conversations about. Um, and yeah, like I said earlier on, I think I'd leave everybody with the fact that, you know, if you don't have a counselor, get one, um, or f find some form of therapy or uh, connection in that way to, to take care of your mental health. Uh, that's huge. Um, and, uh, yeah, just be good to yourself. Talk to yourself. Like you'd talk to a friend. I love that, man. Yeah. I, uh, again, I want to back up exactly what you just said. Like, I'm not a firefighter and I enjoyed your podcast, man. When I was listening to it, I was like, uh, I definitely related and it made me feel like, okay, shit, man, I'm not alone. There's other guys that kind of feel like this, you know, at different stages of life and different ways of feeling like this, it might not be the exact same situation, but definitely very relatable for anyone who's not a firefighter man so if that's your goal you're doing it really well awesome cool man i appreciate that thank you wicked man well i think uh that's about the time Sweet. for uh everybody listening everybody watching anything like that thank you so much much love and peace out nice